Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey everybody, it's Richie, and before we start this episode of the show, we of course want to tell you about DraftKings, and the first Sunday of the NFL season is here. We are just days away from the start of the NFL season, and the excitement continues with the DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. DraftKings is giving all new customers a can't-miss offer to celebrate the return of the NFL season. Bet just $1 on any football game this weekend, and receive $200 in free bets instantly, no matter what. That's right, $200 in free bets. DraftKings is safe, reliable, and secure, making it easy for you to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use your promo code THPN to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any week one game. That's promo code THPN to get your free $200 in free bets instantly. This week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. I'm Corey Crenshaw. I'm Richie Suave Flores. And this is Sporty with Corey and Richie Suave. On the Hockey Podcast Network. In a world where social media is king and everyone is an expert in everything, get the facts from your insiders here on Sporty with Corey and Richie Suave. Here are your hosts, Corey Crenshaw and Richie Flores. Welcome back in Sporty Nation. Nice to talk to you all. Um, it's really exciting because we just started. Um, I guess episode one of um, our new segment where we are making cocktails for you guys before the show. Um, we are going to be putting it on YouTube. It should be dropping today, the same day as the episode of what we are drinking tonight. We'll get into that and so much more with my wonderful and amazing co-host, Richie Suave Flores. How you doing? Hello, Corey. Happy Labor Day weekend to everybody out there in the Sporty Nation. I hope it was a good one. Hope you're enjoying your, your three-day weekend. Hope you're enjoying your Monday off of work for most of you if you're listening to us on a Monday. it uh, Yeah, it's good. I am enjoying the drink we made. It's delicious. Good call, Corey, on the on making the South Side. I, it's, it's great. It's perfect. It's a perfect mix of like a sweet and sour with the lime and the, and the, um, the simple syrup, they kind of balance each other, other out really nicely. And the gin is is there, but it's it's not like front facing and it's not, you know, the star of the show. And uh, I think we did a really good job with these. I keep on like drinking it. I feel like I get, keep on getting more and more taste of gin now, though, which adds like a little bit of a berry flavor. And then and like I just I still can't decide whether I really like gin or not. I feel like gin's not one of my, like on the totem pole of alcohols, it's probably 
towards the lower end. I feel like out of like gins though, aviation gin isn't half bad. I'm I'm not a gin expert, so I'm not sure, but I w- did drink some of it um just on its own in a shot glass before we tried all of it. And uh it's actually very like cuz it, it's from a berry, it's very uh fruity tasting. But it's fruity tasting if you were to like just drink pure rubbing alcohol with some fruit to it. You know what I need to do real quick? And uh, I might have you yip yap to yourself for just a minute while I literally run to the kitchen and grab the rest of the bottle because I have a little bit left in there so I can try a shot of it. So can you hold on to the podcast for about 90 seconds while I go and run and grab my bottle? Yeah, of course. I'll explain okay, to yeah. the Sporty Nation, um, you know, why we're kind of doing this. Um, if they, you guys haven't watched the video yet um, and you're just listening to the podcast, we kind of wanted to do a celebrity inspired, like celebrity owned um, alcohol brands that, um, you know, we just wanted to go. It didn't matter what kind of alcohol that, that they have. So, you know, um, whether it's whiskey, gin, vodka, tequila, liqueur, whatever. We wanted to go through all of them um, and just make some cocktails and um, just really try the alcohol itself and see which ones we liked, which ones were our favorites. And then um, we thought we would bring it to you guys, the Sporty Nation, and tell you guys what we liked and what cocktails were great and have you guys try some because we all know that these next couple seasons are going to be rough and you got to get through it in some way or another. So why not, you know, have a fun time with a bunch of different alcohols and different cocktails that you can drink during um, the next couple seasons to make it a little less miserable, you know, to, to numb the pain. And um, in the end, I'm kind of hoping that, um, we can do maybe like a list of some of our favorites because, and maybe revisit some of the ones that we had already drank before that we liked. Um, you know, uh, the cause brothers bond, um, uh, two different wine companies, um, fresh vine and knocking points and, uh, in the good old pink Whitney. You know, so we we need to go back and revisit some of those too and make some drinks um, because some of those are are good old standbys. So we'll have to come back to those too. Yes, absolutely. We'll put that on the list because both of them, like Knocking Point has new wines out all the time. So we could always go back to that well if necessary. And Fresh Vine, I know, has a couple of wines that they're working on. They have wines on a lesser basis, but yeah, for sure. Can always go back to those. And I'm always down. Now, Brothers Bond has a bunch of cocktails on their website, which I think we should try. Because I, when I was drinking it, I was only drinking it on the rocks. And so I think we need to try it in some of the cocktails. So keep an eye out for that too. And we'll try some of those in, in future installments. But okay, I'm back. Of course, I have my aviation gin poured into a shot glass. I went and I stole from the pantry like one of two shot glasses that we have in the entire apartment. This particular shot glass has the Texas flag on it, everybody. So uh, I think we all agree that we could just say, fuck the state of Texas this week. You guys suck. Cheers. That, that, that is beautiful. What a, how, how, like that was like a really intense way to go into that shot. How, how is it? 
What do you think? Very, very much. It's got a vodka like likeness to it, but not as much burn. So that's the funny part is which would you say has more of like a a rubbing hall rubbing out al- rubbing hall rubbing alcohol like gasoline type of taste to it gin or vodka I'd say shitty vodka that so that was actually the funny part is I had brought um the aviation gin over to my parents house and i had said that i didn't really like um gin because of the fact that it has that like weird berry flavor to it and the, but it also has the burn like i'm not 100 percent sure i feel like it doesn't it's very unsure of itself if that makes sense like vodka you know it you know when you're there's a good vodka because it's it doesn't have as much of a burn and then really shitty vodka like the you know the stuff that you would go to a college party and get it, it you could feel it burning down your throat there's a lot of bad whiskeys that are the same way um gin is such like a mystery to me because it is that weird middle that like it doesn't know if it wants to be good or if it wants to destroy you <laughs> And again, I only, I just had a shot of it. So I didn't like do like you would a normal tasting of stuff. But like, as far as shots go, I'd much rather take a shot of gin than take a shot of vodka. I could see that. I mean, I have taken enough shots of vodka in my life to just be able to down some vodka, but I can totally understand that. Um, In the end, vodka is probably one of the ones that are like, the most I don't know I mean they're one of the cheaper alcohols out there but they're one of the ones that will just annihilate your throat altogether and and you can always taste vodka in in a drink but I I have been known to drink some vodka sodas in my life if there's enough lime juice in it that's the key you have to get enough lime juice there's a threshold there's a very thin line between a shit vodka soda and a good vodka soda. That's uh, that's actually, yeah, I, I kind of agree with that. I haven't had very many vodka sodas in my day, but yeah, I think that's that's a pretty fair statement. But yeah, so it's basically, to me, gin is like if vodka had sex with it with like a like a berry or a fruit and they had a baby. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's a good that's a good way to put it. It genuinely is what it is. It, like, and it's I feel like its identity is very confused. But I can understand why some people will drink like you know like gin and juice, gin and tonic, like that type of thing. Because if you like gin, like it's up your alley. It's kind of your like acquired taste. I can understand why people would drink that because. It, it does have such a specific taste to it that you could taste in basically anything that um, if you like it, you would drink it for the taste of it, not the way that it can be like masked. Kind of like whiskey. Yeah. Like That's, you drink yeah. whiskey because you like the way that the whiskey tastes and you want all yes. the different like flavors in it. 100%. Exactly. And that's like, that's the thing with what I like about whiskey more than any other spirit for me is, is that, and I know you can do it with some of the other spirits, you know, like tequila 
and to an extent vodka and gin and, and some of the others, but just whiskey is just on another level. It's the only one that I can sip straight up on a consistent basis and enjoy it every time. And like, that's why I, I drink anymore. Now at my old age of 30 years old, I can't drink. To, I don't like getting drinking to get drunk anymore. Those days are long gone. I like drinking to enjoy. And that's why I like sipping on good bourbons, good whiskeys, good scotches. That's, that's, that's the fine, finer points of life right there. Yeah, I've actually, I, I was having to admit this because one of the, I won't give it away because I think we're going to try it later, but um, one of the whiskeys that we want to try from this, I I had to get it for my dad. If you want to know, you can probably guess it after listening to our last uh, podcast, but um, I had to go and get it for him when I went to go pick up these aviation uh, gins. And um, when I brought it back, my, like I said on last podcast, like my dad has a large variety of whiskey and we just started pulling all of it out. And my dad just started like talking about the difference between all the different whiskeys. Cause I didn't, the one that I got him, there's like four different ones of it. And then he started going into like the difference between all those and the difference, you know, uh, between that and like, uh, you know, when it's like bourbon whiskey, when it's Irish whiskey, when, you know, when all the different types of it. And it's so funny because that one, whiskey is just, it's, it's its own character. I feel like you can turn it into so many different versions of itself, just like you can with, um, you know, like wine and beer. It's all the same, but different. <laughs> Yeah, that's actually really that's actually really true. And yes, I I want to try the particular whiskey that you're talking about um, at some point down the road, which we'll we will get to, I'm sure. So yeah, again, go watch our video if you haven't already. Um, it should be up, if not by the time you're listening to this, very very soon, um, where Corey and I show you how to make the stout side um, cocktail, and uh, it's very good. Um, once again, and go check that out on all of our social media channels and YouTube page. We'd really appreciate it. Okay, so let's dive into some of the news of the week, Corey. Now, as you tweeted out, I think this is the... I'm glad we are drinking during this episode because I feel like a lot of people were doing the same thing because it was kind of a sad week this week because we had to say goodbye to yet another fan favorite coyote. And when I heard the news, I was... Not shocked, but I was still saddened, and I was actually more saddened by the trade of Christian Dvorak to Montreal than I was the Conor Garland trade to Vancouver. And really? Mm-hmm. Yes. Really? I, I feel like I was the most sad when Garland left because of the effort I felt like he gave last season when no one else really gave a shit for a while there was so impressive to me that it almost felt like he he earned his way to everyone's hearts, basically. That he had worked so hard to get to a point where he it showed that he gave a shit and that we should give a shit about him. So it's funny that you say that. I do think, though, that... Um, Dvorak being gone is quite sad 
in the fact that he, I, I felt at least, would be one of the best leaders going forward. And losing someone who was working in their way to being a solid leader on this team and was such a staple on this team um, when there was very when there's very few staples left um, is always just heartbreaking. And but the thing is, we knew that this was going to be rough going into all of this because we knew this rebuild was going to be very deep and extensive and that the losses would be some of our favorite players. Yeah, and in case you didn't see it, you, we know it, you've probably seen it by now, but let's go through the facts of the case before we move any further into our opinion. So Dvorak to Montreal for a 2022 first-round pick and a second-round pick in 2024. Um, now, part of those assets that were sent from Montreal to Arizona were part of the um, compensation for – uh, Kakanemi signing his offer sheet with Carolina and the Montreal Canadiens got in return a little, some of those assets and then they turned around and sent those assets to Arizona for Christian Dvorak. So again, Bill Armstrong loading up on the draft picks as he does. Let's take a look at what we have now. McCowdy's now have three first round draft picks in 2022 and five second round draft picks in 2022. So that's eight picks in about the first 64 picks of the draft which let's do a little bit of math shall we bring it up are you doing that math let me bring up the little contingency on this though Uh, in the event that both montreal's first round pick and or carolina's first round pick are top 10 picks in the 2022 nhl draft after um, the final draft order has been established in accordance to the results of the 2022 NHL draft lottery, then Montreal will instead transfer to Arizona. The worst of Montreal's own pick and Carolina's pick, um, previously acquired by Montreal, um, and Montreal's own second round pick in the 2024 NHL draft. Does that make any sense to anyone? Uh, Basically, it's it's there is a, a a contingency here where it's it if what if it's in the top ten they will then get the lesser pick essentially. Yeah, it's it's protected, which makes sense. We've seen that previously, but so yeah, so there's the facts of the case, and here's what bumps me out the most about this is Christian Dvorak is a type of player to me that is hard to replace, and the reason why is first of all. The most premium position in the NHL, the the position that I think is the position that every team, every good team, has, has to have an elite center. They have to have center depth in their organization in order to succeed, right? And... That's what Christian Dvorak brings to the brought to the Coyotes roster. He was a guy, in my opinion, that was getting better, that was developing more consistency in his offensive game. Cause we've seen him in a Coyotes uniform just continue to he gets these hot streaks where he's unstoppable, where he he just, he shows off that offensive talent, but for whatever reason he just can't sustain it. And I think he was getting better at that. But 
as his his overall game, not just his offensive game, was so solid. It's he's one of those players that every team has to have on their roster. He is going to be a you know top to middle six center, and he's going to do really well in Montreal. You know, losing Kokonemi was tough for them, but in a way, I think you can say that Christian Dvorak makes them a better team right now. Right? They made it to the Stanley Cup final last year for a reason, but. Christian Dvorak, I think, makes them a better team. And so to lose a guy who is going to be in your top six as a center, for a, who was going to be in your top six for a while, who you know what you're going to get from him on both ends of the ice. He was a likable guy in the locker room. He was a little quiet, yes, but he was well-liked by his teammates, well-liked by fans. His contract was very reasonable at $4.45 million, $4.45 million per season. And it – you know, it, it's it's rough losing a player like this to me as opposed to a winger like like Connor Garland. So you will be missed, Christian Dvorak. Hopefully that number one – that first-round pick we have in 2022 um, replaces you just fine. And you know what else I will miss? Him, like, basically he single-handedly uh, kept my faith in face-offs. His face-off percentage uh, last season was 52.1%, and the Coyotes' face-off percentage was absolute trash. And that was one of the problems that we had pointed out quite a bit, actually, on this podcast. And so um, that is one thing I will definitely be missing. Yeah, that's 100% true. <laughs> um, yeah, I you tar- harped on that. Like, I feel like every week on the show. I did. It was so frustrating to watch. And, you know, obviously they weren't playing very well defensively. So they got into a lot of situations where they were in defensive zone face-offs and they couldn't win a single fucking one. And then you wonder why there were obscene amounts of shots on goal. And it just, there was a ton of them that were taken straight off the face-off because of the fact that they were losing every single one of them. But that is, you know, last season, I'm not going to harp on that again. It's kind of like me going back to the whole, why are we in the central division thing? There's certain things I could uh, yell about until my face turns blue and it's not going to change anything. But um, he was one of the only people that was keeping my sanity face off percentage wise throughout um, all of that. And it's very, very sad to see him go it's it would just be like you know as if the team had lost chikrin you know being like one of the only people that kept your sanity defensively and then if he was to go you know there's there's people it's the same way when someone's that you work with you know and they're the only person that is the, the same person that you work with that's how i feel he was um in that sense to me and so um i i would like to say cheers to him for keeping my sanity and in that at least part, because I lost my sanity in so many other ways. So, so drinks to you, Christian Dvorak. I am so sorry that you were um, about to close on a house when you found out you were traded. So first of all, the, the person who tweeted that out was uh, our good friend, Craig Morgan. Um, he said, by the way, Christian Dvorak just arrived in Arizona two days ago to close on a house. Tough business. 
to which it's funny because this had gotten quote tweeted and retweeted quite a few times. There's a lot of people underneath it that are ripping into it, into like the tweet or Christian Dvorak or whatever saying basically like boohoo, you know, must be hard to make that much money and so on and so forth. And da, 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 da. like people, this is still people's lives. I think that also gets really lost in all of this. This is someone's life. You know, they thought they were going to be, um, you know, buying it. He thought he was going to be buying a house here. He's going to be staying here. It was going to be, you know, and then to have to up and move is, is right after you just closed on a house is very shitty. Whether you're rich or not, it's still shitty. But, um, but yeah, no, there's, there's a lot of ways that you can, um, vote or not vote, uh, try and look at this next season and be like, oh, I'm going to root against the Coyotes in every way possible because, like, nothing when it comes to putting down money, like, sports betting-wise, is um, ever really going to go in the favor of the Coyotes. So um, I don't think um, any of that will ever really look good. But, yeah, I don't think it's going to be that great now that Dvorak's gone and the fact that if you're expecting someone like Barrett Hayden to come and replace him, that's not going to happen. It's just yeah. not. Yeah. Like we talked about on a previous show, we don't really see a lot of those younger players playing at the NHL level in the very near future. At least we think that they should not at this point. Um, be in contention to make the NHL roster. Okay, so let's move on to the other big Coyotes news of the week, which was that September 2nd deadline for bids in the city of Tempe for the possibility of building a brand new rink in the city. And to the shock of no one, the Coyotes were allegedly and reportedly the only entity to support or to put in a bid for the land. Um, here is uh, what what Arizona Central had to say, of course. The Coyotes submitted a bid to transform 46 acres of land near Tempe Town Lake into an arena and entertainment district. We remain incredibly excited about this opportunity, the team said in a statement. The team said it could not comment any further. The stakes in bringing a Tempe deal to fruition obviously got higher after the team's lease at Heather River Arena was canceled. Uh, Tempe said it received one bid from Bluebird Development by the Thursday deadline. According to the state procurement law, only the names of the entities responding to an RFP can be revealed at the time RFP closes. The city stated in a statement, while the submittal is evaluated and the city engages in intensive due diligence, Tempe representatives cannot discuss the matter. Now, this article later went on to say, that um, it is expected that um, the city said the process could take several months, but sources close to the deal have said Tempe could award a contract by the end of the year. This all sounds like a bunch of, you know, uh, red tape. We can't say this. We can't do this. We can't do that. From everything that's kind of been hush-hush, like talking about from behind the scenes of all this stuff, 
it seems to me, correct me if you if you feel differently, but I, it seems to me that this is all but a done deal. Well, I wouldn't go that far. I wouldn't go that far, but it's 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 close. And to me, unless things go really haywire really quickly, the fact that they submitted this bid and they were the only ones to submit it and that they have said they submitted the bid is puts me on like previously it would say we don't believe it until you know shovels are in the ground they're building this thing. So if you put me on a scale of one to ten and excitement over what's happening here, I'm still at a six. Like this is good. This is really good. And it's just the first step in things moving forward. Now, I think that might get higher once we get the full details of this and the and the submission process and we figure out, okay, who's paying for what, what's going on here. But I, to go say it's a done deal it isn't, isn't quite there yet, but we're getting close. But I mean, like, you know, we've, we've talked about things so much and I say it's, it's all but, but because of the fact that they're desperate this time around. I think it's different when you have... You know, it's like, oh, we need to do this, but we have leniency a little bit here and there because of the fact that we still have a place year to year. There really doesn't seem to be any type of reconciliation that I can see happening um, between Gila River and the team. Because, you know, if the team was really desperate, thought that this wasn't going to work out, then they would be trying to make it work, you know, to see if they can really negotiate once more, even though all this bad press has come out and try and use that bad press. Um, but in the end, they really just seem to be zeroing in on this land in Tempe. And I just either they're being very naive and putting all their eggs in one basket or they are they're, they're desperate and are very committed to this piece of land. And they have been talking to Tempe about it extensively because they need this land. That's the way that I feel it's coming off. Obviously, there I don't have hard evidence on that, but it just feels a little bit different than before just because of the desperation factor. Yeah, you might you might be right about that. Um, we know that the Coyotes are desperate to find something very, very quickly. I think we're for sure about that. Now, as far as Tempe goes... That's what's going to be the biggest question mark here is how willing are they to continue the talks here? Because just like the city of Glendale and we criticized their thought process, right? Previously, but they're, they had their reasoning for their thought process and they reasoned out that this team wasn't good for the city of Glendale as wrong as we both think that is. Now, Tempe, the city has to do that same reasoning process and that could that could be the only holdup here is whatever might be the, in the details of this particular bid. Maybe the city of Tempe maybe doesn't have the urgency to do something like the Coyotes do, and that's something that they now have to figure out. Is okay. Well, what do we get from this? And are we are we eager to do this this quickly? What will it do for the city of Tempe? Even though we both think that it will bring in. You know, good revenue, right? You're looking at the marketing of a brand new rink, which is huge among itself. We, you know, 
usually when teams build new rinks, you're sold out for two or three straight years in a row because it's a new rink. It's exciting. And you saw that with the Arizona Cardinals, for goodness sake. they were When they built State Farm Stadium, people showed up in droves because it was a brand new stadium, and they weren't out at the shit box that is, was Sun Devil Stadium at the time. So, again, I'm curious where Tempe is here on this. Are, are they eager to do this like the Coyotes are eager to do it? How much of the bill is Tempe going to – going to have to pay here how much are the coyotes going to have to pay here what kind of public money is at play here all of that i hope we find out soon enough i think it's really weird and unfortunate that we get we get nothing out of this right now and i don't know if um i know arizona has a law that's similar to foia i don't remember what it's called it's called something different here in the state it's not called the freedom information act it's called something else i don't know if that is able to take place here so that an intrepid reporter can get their hands on what's happening in this situation and the full details. But um, I'm curious to see what those may be. And, and uh, yeah, I know for, I think you're right in that the counties we know are, are, are desperate to get something done. Yeah, well, that's what they went through the whole phase of hiring someone to look for land that could be used. And, and, and it's difficult. I think if there's probably the worst situation in all of this is the land that it's on. In any of the places that they were looking for land, whether it was on reservation land, this land needs work done to it, all the land that they've been looking at has, um, you know, some speed bumps that go along with it. Um, whether it was, you know, what they're looking at five years ago or what they're looking at today. But in the end, this is the first time that the Coyotes' backs have really been up against the wall where they have to make decisions and have to make decisions quick and really have to start making business decisions. And as I've said before, the one thing I will say about Morello is he is really great at being a businessman and making deals. Uh, I don't think that they know how to run a hockey team properly, but business wise, I think is his ish. You know, he's, I think probably foaming at the mouth right now with everything with uh, sports betting and um, you know, what a better, there is not a better look for Morello to have a brand new rink that would have a sports betting, um, right next to it connected to all of his stuff. Um, you know, they came out with all the stuff from the D backs recently of uh, all where the, the Caesars sports book, that's going to be uh, by chase field down there and stuff. I think there's so much profitable profitability for um, the team and Morello that that's definitely something they're going to like, and it's going to benefit Tempe in the fact that they have ASU hockey now coming down there. So in in Tempe, you will have um, ASU's new arena. You will still have Oceanside, which, you know, uh, had to be up to NCAA standards enough for them to play out of Oceanside for as long as they did. So um, the D1 ACHA team is going to be left with an updated uh, version of Oceanside. Um, and then if you had an NHL rink in there, too, you could get all hockey in essentially one area and Tempe could literally monopolize that. We always say that Scottsdale has, you know, a 
a lot of hockey because of the fact that it's, it's a little bit more of a, a wealthier sport, but it's so Tempe is so close to Scottsdale and in that proximity that it, it works out so well and it would be a great environment for college kids. We all know that um, the demographic of who wants to go to games and wants to watch games is usually a little bit on the younger side. Um, that, that's actual facts that have come out of, um, well, not anymore. They're, they're what, Bally Sports. Um, but uh, that's come out of... Um, Fox Sports Arizona from before they were Bally Sports say they were having a hard time getting um, younger people to watch baseball and older people to watch hockey because of the fact that that's usually kind of the demographic. Not saying that there isn't plenty of of older people who watch hockey, but you're you're going to be able to get all of those college kids that are from Canada, that are from the East Coast, that already love hockey. And they can go to the rink. They can go to three different rinks within Tempe and, you know, spend money and hang out and be in all these places. It's going to really be perfect to have them all in one area. And I think it would be a lot more beneficial for Tempe than it ever was for Glendale. I, yeah, I agree with you there because it's, like I said, in the central and it's it's closer to where everybody is and it is going to be team-backed, right? And it's going to be very exciting. And and I think you're getting a city in Tempe that from the start seems like they're going to be all in on this, where I think Glendale and the, when Westgate was originally put together, it was very hastily put together wasn't fully realized, wasn't a, a something that was, that was really ever going to be 100% all in from the start. And I, I, I think Tempe is going to be the complete opposite. Okay. So let's wrap up the show, Corey, with, um, with our sporty question, which I put out uh, earlier tonight in lieu of both you and I and Scotty, going to see Shang-Chi on Sunday, I figured we'd ask the Sporty Nation what their favorite MCU movie is. So before we get into our answers to that and some of the answers we've received on Twitter, let's quickly talk about Shang-Chi. And no spo- we will go without spoilers here um, to give everybody our quick thoughts on the movie. Uh, I'll, I'll go first. I... I, I love this movie. I thought it was great. I, I It was a great little kind of niche movie that's kind of away from most of the MCU in terms of their paint-by-numbers approach that they've done in the past with origin movies. And it was cool to see a movie in the MCU that was mostly focused on martial arts. And I thought that was great because that's something we haven't gotten from the MCU yet. And... It's hard to do. When you've been doing movies, what, what are we at? 25 movies now in the MCU? It's hard to pick, to do new stuff in the MCU anymore. And I felt like Shang-Chi was new. It was different. It was fun. It was... The characters are great. Uh, not to give any spoilers, but 
Um, the best Shang Chi's best friend in the movie is maybe my favorite part of the entire movie. And for an origin story, it was it was good. There are some surprises in there. There are two post credit scenes, so stay for both of those. Um, and uh, I'm excited to see Shang Chi again, the character wherever he may pop up again. That's always important when you're introducing new characters is you want to see more from them. And I want to see what happens next with Shang-Chi. And I recommend going to see it. I'm still trying to figure out where I'd place it in terms of overall MCU movies. Um, but I, I feel like it's definitely in the top half for me. I really, really enjoyed it. Like in the fact that, well, one... Uh, Aquafina is is she's hilarious, like absolutely freaking hilarious, and, and it, she helps add that comedic relief in there and kind of ties it through throughout it. Um, and I really enjoyed too the fact that, as you were saying, they have been trying to do different things in uh, the MCU that has to do with a lot of different cultures. It and it really allows a lot of, um, you know, a, a lot of young kids to be able to see themselves on the screen and to be able to see themselves as superheroes. I think that's always awesome to be able to see. But as a movie, it was just great all the way through. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, it was, I felt like it also had a little bit of basically everything in there. They had some ties to old movies. Um, that I'm not going to go into more because I'd give stuff away. But, like, it was just a good overall movie. I was so much fun to watch, and I'm I'm really excited where they're going to go with his character and where they're going to go with it from here because I was kind of one of those that once the initial um, MCU universe ended, you know, um, like the one, the first... Um, series of them that we saw once they finally came to an end point um, I thought I wasn't going to be as into it anymore because of the fact that I was just so invested in all of the um, old characters but this is this was a hell of a way to introduce someone new and to to kick off you know the second wave yeah and Simu Liu who plays Shang-Chi in the movie terrific he was really great in the movie. Great casting decision by on the part of Marvel. And uh, he's going to make for a great hero down the road in, in the new adventures or whatever they may be called in the, in the future. So to answer our sporty question now, again, I asked the question at Corey underscore Richie show. Um, what is your favorite MCU movie? Uh, let's go through some of the responses we've gotten here. Um, we've gotten a few. And we've gotten, uh, first off, from uh, from Isha. He, he says, and uh, very, don't, very... Don't entertain this. I, I know he is our fearless leader along with Dylan. But no, do not entertain his response. Okay, I won't even mention it then. We'll move on. That's a good idea. Yeah, no, his response is, is not an actual response. His response was one of not wanting to answer the question because he didn't like any of them. So, yeah, no, his doesn't deserve a response. Okay, so we'll move on. We have uh, Nick Berlansky who, from the Pittsburgh Penguins show. He's also launching a new show, too, 
coming up uh, very, very soon. Um, it's called Hockey Hotbed here on the Hockey Podcast Network, which is launching on September the 7th, so you can check that out if uh, if you want to. Uh, Nick, who has been watching all of the MCU movies over the summer, I've seen his tweets. We've gone back and forth a little bit about them. Um, he says that overall is Avengers Endgame, and his favorite solo film is Captain America Winter Soldier. Now, and I tweeted back at him with this in agreement. Honestly, I think he nailed it because Avengers Endgame to me is number one overall because it is the cap on everything for 10 years. And they did such a good job of wrapping everything up the entire infinity saga. It, it You can't beat it. Like, is it the best just straight movie of the MCU? No, it's not. But for what it meant to the entire universe, the entire wrapping up, it was perfect. And so I have to agree with them. And Corey, you know how much I love Captain America. I, I adore Chris Evans. I adore Captain America. And Winter Soldier, to me, is still one of my favorite MCU movies because it was the perfect kind of unison of of like a, a spy thriller with some superhero action and a great twist. One of the best twists in the history of the MCU with the return of Hydra. And the action sequences are absolutely amazing in this movie. It's one of my most rewatchable movies in the MCU. And so I'd have to agree with Nick on this one. What, what about your choices before I get back to some of the answers we got? We got a couple others. Um, well, let's see here. Um, even as I'm sitting here staring at my, my miniature to scale um, exact replica of Captain America Shield, which I do have. I got it at Comic-Con. Um, I am not Captain America fan. It's never really been my thing. Um, so I, I would not say that that one is mine. Uh, if I had to choose one that is my favorite that I have like rewatched the most that I really just probably enjoy the most, it would be Iron Man two, not a shocker to you. Um, if, and then and I'm going to be that Iron Man homer. I'm going to say the first Iron Man as the like overall most important one out of all of them because it would have never been what it was if it wasn't for the first Iron Man movie. The success of that first movie was something else and that was something that like launched it into another level and then I and then I'm going to also say one that I also thought was very influential that was able to really kind of bridge the gap in in uh, the MCU in general would have to be a a tie between Thor and uh, Doctor Strange because both of them brought two different sides into the MCU that uh really brought things all together when it came to you know like Guardians of the Galaxy and like Thanos and all of that stuff in the fact that you got to see the two different sides of um you got to see kind of the off space uh, off earth side of it with Thor 
and how that connectivity there. And then you kind of got to be introduced into somewhat of like a, a multiverse-ish type of situation with Doctor Strange. So um, those felt like my two biggest like bridging ones. Um, I refuse to rewatch Endgame because I cry every every single time. So I can't acknowledge that for that reason. <laughs> I don't blame you. That's the thing about Endgame too is it is one of those movies that is kind of tough to rewatch uh, on occasion. I was actually rewatching it not too long ago. Um, and actually, a couple of weeks ago, I was rewatching. I was like, "Man, this movie's still pretty fun." <laughs> actually, I kind of have to correct myself a little bit. In the beginning of all of this, given people, this has been a ten-year span. Uh, Iron Man Two was always the one that I rewatched the most. If I was to say what I'm currently rewatching the most, it's actually been Captain Marvel. I've watched that probably like ten times in the past like three months. I don't know why. I agree. You know who I was watching earlier today? Earlier tonight, I was watching the last ten minutes of that movie too. Yeah, I just keep rewatching it all the time. I feel like I'm gonna do the same thing with Black Widow though. I feel like once it's like on TV, every time it's on TV, I'm just gonna be like, oh well, Black Widow's on TV. I'm gonna watch it. Uh, yeah, I agree. I was actually, I think I was talking to you about that too, which is yeah, Captain Marvel, very rewatchable. Black Widow, really rewatchable. Um, I'd say Shang-Chi and I was actually thinking about that like driving around today after the movie I was like you know I don't know if Shang-Chi for me is a rewatchable movie like a Black Widow or Captain Marvel so I'm curious to see how often I rewatch those um, quickly as a quick ranking of like my top five MCU movies off the top of my head um, I'd include Endgame, Infinity War, uh, Captain America, Winter Soldier, Black Panther, and I think I'd round it out probably with Thor Ragnarok. I think those are the five for me. Um, Guardians of the Galaxy, the original Iron Man, the original Captain America, right outside of that top five. Oh, gosh, that's a, like that. That is kind of the the list that I it's funny because like I, you know, I think the um, all of the Avengers are fantastic movies and and they're great and when you got to watch them in theaters it was like oh my gosh them all coming together and it was so good um but um you know the, the first of avengers movie was probably the most like impactful to me because it was the first time you got to actually see them all together um so i do that and then um Iron Man 2. Uh, I, I like Iron Man 1. And, I, and like I said, it's the most influential in the fact that it, it's what started it all. But I like the second one the best because it's kind of once he's actually come into his own. Um, and then I would say Thor. And then... Um, ooh, I, then I'm, I'm having a hard time between... Uh, Black Widow, Captain Marvel... And Guardians of the Galaxy. Okay. So uh, now that we've been going for an hour, everybody, um, I think it's time to wrap up the show. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the program. Make sure you try some aviation gin. If you're staying at home on a night where you're looking to do something, go ahead and make up your Southside cocktail. Um, and we hope you enjoy it. And uh, until next time, everybody, good night and good hockey. <laughs>